Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, Vito, you want to talk to this lady? We can't understand what she wants. Hello, young lady. Uh, you're not from around here, are you? I just moved here from Canada. It must be nice to have escaped a communist country. I would like half a pound of capicola. Give her half a pound of gabagool. I'd also like half a pound of prosciutto. Give her half a pound of prosciutto. Six cannoli. Give her six gunnels. And six sfogliatella. Give her six friadel. And one small container of ricotta. Give her a large container of ragout. Yes, a cup of coffee with milk and sugar. Give her a regular coffee to go. Two weeks later at the same location. Hey, not for nothing last time you cut the gabagool too thin. I just love it when people find their comfort level. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Greater Good Radio. I'm Bob Kosh, and we are broadcasting from WOR 710 AM. We are the voice of New York. Hope everybody had a great week. And once again, as always, I'd like to invite you to visit the website, www.greatergoodmediallc.com. There's a lot that has happened over the past few days, folks. We have uh, a new mayor in the city of New York. Eric Adams um, will be inaugurated uh, some point this this January. And Governor Phil Murphy, uh, he looks like he is staying in office for another four years, although there's still a little noise behind that. There was a that, that, that really, really was a close race. And I, one thing I find kind of comical, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to what's going on in the, uh, the technological world, let's say. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about this metaverse with artificial intelligence and just what's going on. I mean, people with real vision are, are, are doing things that, you know, we, we are listening to, but what I found kind of comical. Facebook is renaming their organization or group to Meta, M-E-T-A, and they're delving into AI very heavily, but couldn't they find a better way to address the metaverse? I mean, Meta is also a brand of fiber. So do I need to differentiate what makes you go where? Okay, that said, we are very, very, very fortunate to have as our first guest a man who really needs no introduction. He is an author. He has been nominated for a Emmy. He has been in films. I, I can't even go on. And he is one of the best 
and most well-known stand-up comics that you'll ever see. Yeah, I'm talking about Robert Klein. Robert, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, Robert. <laughs> I don't think I've ever asked you this. So could you tell us about your experience at the Catskills? Well, when I was a kid, my father had a good year. We spent a couple of weeks in a small hotel. It was thrilling. My mother didn't have to make the beds or cook. And I saw live stand-up comedy for the first time. Um, you know, a guy would uh, come in a Cadillac and uh, comedians like Lou Menchel, Larry Deutsch, Bernie Burns, they were very good. Yeah. And they'd come and the people would laugh till their tears came out and their stomachs hurt. And for that 35 or 40 minutes, they forgot their problems with their marriage, their health, their children, their disappointments. Yeah. And they laughed. And I yeah. thought, man, that, that's what a, what a way that is to make a living. Then go off to some other bungalow colony or hotel and let make some other people laugh. And um, then later on, I, be, I was a busboy college years and a lifeguard mm -hmm. in a hotel. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? This is a great, that's a, what a great livelihood to make people yeah. laugh. It's a high calling. We need laughter, whether we're in the good times or bad times. What a great idea. Sure. Um, of course, when I told my parents uh, a junior year in college, these two tweedy professors of mine cornered my father and said that I should be an, an actor. And then they could get me into Yale graduate school. Wow. And my father said, Yale? To be an actor? Did Eddie Cantor go to Yale? Yeah. And he had a, a point there because Second City which I was in from 65 through just a little, maybe 15 months, uh, was I got paid 150 a week and I wow. learned more than Yale. But well, I, uh, the, the, there's a movie that you were executive producer of, a wonderful documentary called When Comedy Went to School. Right. And uh, it, it will be on this spring on PBS. And it combines the story of the Catskill Mountains as you've said, a beautiful part of the country, which was an escape from the city hot summers for Jewish immigrants sure. and um, and then became just a, a sea of small and large hotels. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's all defunct now. But yeah. as a performer, I never played them, I actually was on the bill until I had a reputation. Dare I say I was a star. Yeah, yeah. I was top billed at the Concord and Cutchers and they paid big money and they yeah. sent a limo and gave you a weekend. So that was I wasn't really a Bush Belt comedian. That, that right. wasn't my main thing. I, mm -hmm. I really started at the Improv in New York, which is the only yeah. club of the time. But the 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 so-called Bush Belt uh, in a, a counterintuitively named county, Sullivan County. Mm -hmm. That Levin County where Mr. Abramowitz owns a hotel in Swan Lake. Um, you know, it, it was an era that, that this movie evokes so beautifully. Great yeah. old footage, home yeah. movies and stuff. Yeah. How many people met there? My sister met her husband on singles, oh. yeah. singles weekend at the Concord. Yeah. Yeah. They were married 45 years. So, I mean, wow. uh, it worked for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. And I think they were... You know, when I went away as a busboy, I heard all kinds of stories about sex. And I was sure. a kid. 
kid. Yep. And it just, you know, people around the pool and yep. my fair lady playing on the loudspeaker. I have yeah. great memories of it. Sure. And of course, you know, it's not there anymore. Yeah. I I saw a and and I remember it uh, still, and it's up on YouTube. You're you're the bit you did on Ed Sullivan's show about being a substitute teacher. I still yeah. laugh like crazy. When when did that all fit in uh, in in this career that you ended up having? Well, uh, after a year of graduate school, I left to come to New York to work, come to New York. I'm from New York, you know. Right. But it wasn't easy. I knew nobody. I had no connections. It was a terrible, terrible fall of 63. President Kennedy was assassinated. I'm yeah. not in school. I don't have a job. Yeah. So I began substitute teaching to get out of my parents' apartment, which I'd been away from for five years, and get my yeah. own little place. Yeah. And um, so my first routines to use the old word were about substitute teaching because it was beyond hilarious and i was called you know no matter what you know who's sick the german teacher you know yeah, yeah. do you know any german mr klein sauerkraut sauerkraut <laughs> they needed a caretaker yeah um but i you know i i the uh, pandemic put a halt i was doing i was working quite a bit mm-hmm and I was on my Florida tour and I completed it, came home and we had to cancel several dates when the pandemic got bad. And I'll tell you, I enjoyed the time off working for 56 years. Yeah. And, you know, I reported for work in 1965, March with Fred Willard, my yeah. dear Fred Willard, who died last year. Yeah. We, we, so I count that as the start of my career. Uh, incidentally, can I plug a movie that I mean? Absolutely, about? please. Yeah. I was just going to get to that. Um, it's called Before I Go. Before mm-hmm. I Go. It's not about me getting up to pee five times a night. Oh, okay. It's actually a serious but somewhat funny yeah. offbeat movie uh, mm-hmm. starring Annabella Sciorra, mm-hmm. a wonderful actress from Sopranos and other things. Brilliant actress. Mm-hmm. And I play her father, of course. I play fathers now. I kiss them on the forehead, no longer sure. on the lip. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, God, when you have a sexy daughter, yeah. <laughs> my, uh, Jennifer Tilly played my daughter in a movie years ago. Oh, wow. And she talked like that. Yeah. 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 And there was a thing where she faints at a wedding. Oh, I faint. Oh. My other daughter is getting married, and she gets on top of me in the scene. Huh. Uh, and uh, she begins to beat my chest, and her whole body's moving on mine. Daddy, <laughs> daddy, daddy, daddy. <laughs> And it felt so good, Robert. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I said, give me a few more daddies. Well, yes. Maybe 12. Take Jennifer 37. Does. So uh, anyway, it's a wonderful movie. It's on um, uh, Amazon Prime. When, right. when would, would I have said something like that 35 years ago? Yes, my show is on Amazon Prime. What is it, South America? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was online. I met a girl online in 1973. I was online for guests. Oh, put a bump. Everything is new now, and the yeah. choices are there. And I, yeah. I can't object to choices, but everyone tells you, "Oh, you must watch this on uh, this, and you must you must watch nothing you don't want to watch, yeah. and don't let anyone force you." I think the choices are great. I think uh, show business has a good future. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of talented comedy out there. It, it's pretty vulgar, a lot of it. I mean, yeah. I'm not rude, but I mean, you know, but I, I, I brought up, you know, I did Tonight Show 93 times, including yeah. guest hosts and everything. Yeah. I mean, every word was, was you know, yeah. what, what's the word, you know, yeah. uh, scrutinized. Scrutinized, sure. And, and I wound up being the first ever to do an uncensored comedy show on HBO in 1975 yeah. at Haverford College. And I must say the nine shows and the three or four extra specials I did for them, mm -hmm. maybe 13, 14 altogether, they were always great. They never yeah. censored one word. Yeah. Whatever I wrote and, and edited with my producer, they put on. And that was wonderful. How could a, yeah. you know, a, a kid like me without the muscle and the business and all that sure. but were great, great outfit. And now, of course, they're copied a million times over. I yeah. always liked the original. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Absolutely. But and listen, you've always been good on your feet. You know, you can like I said before, you and I had a, a an incredible conversation on what is real Jewish rye. You know, there's there's topics out there that, you know, war, peace. And meanwhile, we're talking bread. Well, so. it was not Levy's, with all due respect. Yeah. Uh, the late owner, he, Leo, Leo, he did a commercial for Levy's Real Jewish Rye. Leo Mr. Steiner Butcher. tried it with pickles. Oh, of course, he wouldn't dare use it on his own. Yeah, sandwich. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best rye bread around here is whoever bakes it for Zabar's. It's perfect, seeded or not. It's got that crispy, crunchy yeah. crust. And that I had that. That was my bread when I was a kid in the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, the, the bakery was the main store. The Gentiles loved the whiter white breads. Yeah. Everyone loved pastries. I lived in a European village, for crying out loud, in North Bronx. We have Jews and Irish Italians. And I'm sure. about to break into song. You know, it sounds like yeah, a yeah. musical. Now, how... So, uh, I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I have to ask you how you ended up on Sharknado. Apparently, they, they, this was two. First one was in Los Angeles. This one's in New York. Uh -huh. So I was in two and three. The reason I was in two and three is because they offered it to Donald Trump uh, <laughs> a few years before he became Was he really president of the dream? Yeah, it wasn't And he faked out on him six yeah. days before the shoot, five days before the shoot. So uh, I got a call and I heisted them for every penny they needed me so bad. Um, no, it was fun. It was a yeah. silly yeah. thing, and it was fun to be part of. I, I have yeah. a good sense of you. I wouldn't call it Citizen Kane. Right. It was the greatest movie I ever made, but I've been in a lot of stinking movies. Right. I'm very proud of this one before I go. And um, I don't know. I saw one I just I did a few years ago with a bunch of people I love, like Jason Alexander and Fred Willard, mm -hmm. called Iron Abbey. I just watched it the other night. I had not seen it in 15 years. I don't like to really go back and look too much at the many features and the many, uh, you know, television shows. Yeah. But when I do, I usually like it. You know, yeah. I don't want to do it. I hesitate. And then I go back and I say, you know, he's good. He was good. <laughs> no, no, Robert, listen, you, you, you have done some great stuff. And, you know, there, there's, uh, I, I would love to hear. You're having that, trouble breathing? You're okay, uh, right? Uh, usually I have a tank next to my, uh, my bed but uh they yeah. usually hit me with it uh no no i, I i'm just you know I, I hopefully we'll get to see you out uh doing some stand-up shortly yeah, i guess. have some bookings i have some bookings in 2022 
in March in Florida, the three dates in a row at the moment okay. on both coasts. We're trying to build a few more to make it even more worthwhile to go down, although in March it's still cold enough to go down <laughs> for a few days. Um, um, you know, I, I, I have a beef with South Florida, to be honest with you, Robert. I really? sent two, yeah, I sent two healthy, vibrant, 65-year-old parents to South Florida retired. 30 years later, they were dead. What? What the hell is going on down there? No, let's, let's pause everything. Call the complaint department in Miami. Let's, let's get to the bottom of this. No, I mean, it's, you know, I used to rich kids. And when I was in grade school, would come back from Easter vacation with a suntan and a pencil case with a marlin jumping out of it. <laughs> but my father couldn't afford that. I never, I never went to Florida till uh, some friends, I couldn't drive. I was 17. We went down to Fort Lauderdale where the boys are. And that was true. There were 10 boys to one girl. <laughs> a lot of people vomiting from Mississippi State. And then I first saw Miami with Rodney Dangerfield. He had a gig at the Fountain Blue or something. He was starting to get a reputation and nobody knew me. And I actually saw him have a kind of get together with his father, who had been estranged from. And his father had throat cancer. And he said to Rodney, whose real name was Jack, he said, Jack, Jack, keep up that no respect thing. It's good. Keep it up. Well, after after all that time, that's all he's got. <laughs> well, his his tie is in the Smithsonian. Yeah, he had a tremendous career. Yeah, he never could be happy though. But he was my mentor. He was my Yale Drama School to yeah. stand up, and I spent a really intense ten or eleven years with him early on. Yeah, and we kept in touch. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, I you know I, I wasn't quite as I wasn't around. He was in the West Coast, and sure, and he was a, a hell of a comedian. Yeah. Yep. Robert, I I really appreciate you spending this time. uh, And and I know my audience is, listen, we all love you. And we will see you out there very soon. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Robert. Looking for that special place to kick back and have a great evening? Visit the Long Branch Distillery, featuring everything from mixology classes, event space, and tours. The Long Branch Distillery is a cut above those other venues offering the same old thing. They've always got something that will surprise your taste buds to sip or savor. Long Branch Distillery prides themselves in the crafting of their distilled spirits using the latest technology in the distilling world. You'll get consistency and quality when enjoying their big door vodka, gin, bourbon, or rye whiskey. Plus, the entertainment is unsurpassed, featuring local jazz artists, stand-up comedy, and other musical acts. Come join us Thursdays through Sunday at the Long Branch Distillery, located at 199 Westwood Ave, Long Branch, New Jersey. Visit their website at lbdistillery.com or call them at 732-759-8321. You're listening to Greater Good Radio with Bob Kosh on WOR 710 AM, the voice of New York. Folks, I would like to introduce you to shoplocalway.com. Have you ever thought about 
that butcher in Passaic for that steak that you want? And what about the cheese in Montclair? And you know you've got to have that pumpernickel raisin bread from Manhattan. There's only one delivery service that can provide you with everything I just spoke about. It's shoplocalway.com. Shop Local is the doorstep delivery service of high-quality products from local businesses. They bring you the marketplace with exquisite local stores you will not find on any other platforms. Simply choose your favorites from local stores along with the delivery or pickup option and enjoy your time while the order is on its way. ShopLocalWay.com supports local business. It's the shops that you can't get from anywhere else. Remember, there's only one way to shop. ShopLocalWay.com Call Shop Local at 833-463-4466 or visit the website at www.shoplocalway.com. Now, staying with our theme of comedy, it's not all about knock-knock jokes and a uh, priest, rabbi, and a horse walk into a bar. There's a lot that goes into what someone has to do with delivery, with actually, you know, preparing content. And I'd like to introduce Molly Sperduto. Molly is a up-and-coming uh, stand-up comedian, and we're very happy to have her on the show today. Molly, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I would like you to tell, you know, our audience who you are. Drum roll. So, um, my name is Molly Sperduto. I do stand-up comedy, and I've been doing that probably for about 15, 20 years. So, for anyone doing the math, I've been performing since three years before I was born. Um, wow. Boom, boom. <laughs> um, and it is it stemmed from a background of always wanting to be involved in um, theater and I was <laughs> always performing choir band things like that as well and just kind of rolled into stand-up because I also liked making people laugh and so rolling into stand-up how how did you decide as a young lady hey you know this is what I want to do like who what were your influences that's a good question. Um, I can't really call on too many traditional stand-up comics. Mm -hmm. I have to say I grew up with Mel Brooks movies, Abbott and Costello, mm -hmm. uh, Monty Python, things like that. And it gave me the notion that I liked funny things and I wanted to be funny. Mm -hmm. um, stand-up kind of fell into place, I guess, well, the story I usually tell is that I was looking at a bunch of audition listings in the newspaper one day, as you did back in the day. Mm -hmm. And there I started with stone tablets, but you know, that's me. <laughs> I, I'm only a few years after you. Um, but I was, as an actress, I was trying to look at different listings for things that I could audition for. And there was a listing for a first night uh new year's eve first night variety show mm -hmm. and 
the types of entertainers that they were looking for were things that were completely out of my realm. So they were like, we were looking for ventriloquists and magicians yeah. and fire spinners and plate spinners <laughs> and sword swallowers and stand-up yeah. comics. Yeah. Um, so looking down the entire list of esoteric things, I went, well, stand-up comedy is something I could try. Sure, sure. And I made an audition video of myself performing a stand-up set that I had just written because I'd never thought about doing stand-up before. Mm -hmm. I invited three friends over. They were in the audience on my living room couch. My mother was filming it. The video went about as well as a 15-year-old doing stand-up comedy for the first time mm -hmm. in their living room to three friends and their mother behind the camera, which is to say not very well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of lunch lady jokes? Or... <laughs> I, I told a lot of jokes about my family. Mm -hmm. um so i know i did that i think i told a couple of jokes about my cat mm -hmm. and then a joke about self-checkouts because they were they were a thing that was okay. just starting back then and now everyone has a self-checkout joke sure. um and i was thinking about putting one in the driveway <laughs> um but in spite of all that i realized that i liked the process of doing it so then at that point i never really stopped after that um, took a while to actually find venues as a 15, 16 year old to perform stand up at. And, um, then as things progressed, I had noticed that a lot of the shows I was performing on were being produced by my own peers in the business. Mm. So I thought, well, why don't I run my own show? Mm -hmm. And that was a very right place at the right time thing because I started running my first show in the summer of 2008. And it was right as I graduated college. So I was chatting up this bartender at a bar and told him I did stand up. He asked if I ran shows and I offered to do it at his place. That's how the whole thing started. Mm -hmm. I started promoting it on Facebook and people started reaching out to me going, oh, I didn't know you ran your own shows. My brother just opened a restaurant. We have a cafe, this guy down the street. And it's funny because at that same time, like I said, I graduated college we're in the middle of a recession. I'm getting all these demands for these shows. Meanwhile, I'm trying to send my resume out to these jobs that don't want me because they don't want anyone because no one's hiring anyone. Right. And the light bulb kind of went on where I went, okay, well, there's a demand for this. Mm -hmm. I don't quite know what to do with it or how to wield it properly, but I might want to figure that out. Okay. So I switched. I did try to find a job but i'm just like instead of trying to look for my forever job in mm -hmm. the field that i went to school for let me just find something that gives right. me a paycheck and freeze up my nights sure um which i did and then figured out how to spin this whole comedy producing thing into a business and that was how ginger ninja productions my company was born okay so are you actively doing stand-up now by yourself or as part of a group um i do perform um, and I try to keep myself the performer and myself the production company as two separate things. I do tend to book myself on a lot of my shows because I'm the booker and I can do whatever I want. Um, but not every show that I put together is a show that I'm performing on and not every show I'm performing on is a show I've necessarily put together. So that's why when it comes to that, I have two different websites. I'm trying to arrange, I'm trying to, some of my social media pages kind of spill into both aspects, but I'm trying mm -hmm. to get that separated out a little bit too, to keep performing and producing mm -hmm. two different entities. 
Okay. So now when you're on when you're on stage, you're doing stand up, are there anything and is there is there anything off limits or any topics that you hit hard, you know, give me like a little rundown of, you know, you're going to show up at uh, Uncle Lou's uh, Bar and Tavern uh, in Wallington, New Jersey tomorrow night. What are you, how are you prepping for that? Um, it's a great I venue, have, by the way. I do have quite a bit of material that's already tried and true. Mm -hmm. So I have my typical opening set, my typical closing set, and then some of the jokes that I put, do in between I switch in and out based on the audience that I'm with. Mm -hmm. um, I personally do a lot of autobiographical stuff. Okay. Um, and I tend, I'm not, you know, squeaky clean unless the um, venue or the show calls for it. But I also don't really like to go too blue personally. Mm -hmm. I, I feel more comfortable going completely clean than, than opposite spectrum. Sure. Um, but otherwise, I kind of, I know that there are parts of my life that are completely unrelatable. When I graduated, again, the recession, so I had to move in with my mother, mm -hmm. who lives in a 55 and over community. So I'm, that's where I spent most of my 20s, in a retirement village. Mm -hmm. So there's little things like that that I feel like instead of trying to be the observational or the topical to try to say things right. to get people to relate, I want to take them on a journey instead. Sure. sure. Well, with a real life situation like that, I mean, yes, I did see your bit, which was great. But I mean, you you can get so much mileage out of something like that because okay. you're on rollerblades, poor Aunt Sadie's in, you know, a, a motorized wheelchair and the race is on. You could go forever with that. <laughs> so so what about hecklers? Have you ever had to confront, you know, anybody in the audience that just wouldn't let you get a word out edgewise? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, in some cases, they have, the crowd work gods came down upon me and I was able to come up with something that put them in their place. Um, in other situations, I mean, heck, let's be honest, in a majority of situations, I think of the perfect thing to say the next day. Um, of course. <laughs> but uh, you know you do what you can to to move past it to get the attention back to the show mm -hmm. um and even uh, i heard one comic on a podcast ages ago um refer to that whole like thinking about the right thing to say the next day concept mm -hmm. as just adding another sliver to your armor right. because situations like that are going to present themselves again maybe not a carbon copy but you're going to be in a situation with X person who's being difficult because of Y general right. scenario and this thing that you thought of to say could apply to that. Right. So right. no thought ever goes completely right. useless for that reason. Sure. Hey, listen, hey, hey Lou, leave me your uh, name and phone number because I got something for you in the morning. No, I, 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 I get it. It's, you know, <laughs> but you're on your feet. You got to be spontaneous and, you know, which leads me into your comments about being autobiographical. You have a vowel on the end of your name, and you have red hair, and your name is Molly. Uh, do we go into potatoes and spaghetti, or, you know, where are you there? Well, I tend to talk about the Italian side of me, because Molly's actually a nickname. Um, <laughs> my full name is Amalia Sperduto, so I'm, I, you look at my name, and you picture a very different person than I am. Sure. Um, but or or a fish dish 
one or the other. <laughs> Someone once told, uh, I think it was one of my brother's friends once told him that the name Spurgito sounded like a vegetable. Um, but the, and the other thing, I'm trying to explore this a little bit more, but what is totally funny to me is that my last name is Spurgito. Mm-hmm. From what I've been told by several people that know Italian much better than I do, translates to lost, but it's not just lost like, oh, why did I end up in the kitchen lost? Like, it's like middle of nowhere, no service, your phone's not working, mm-hmm. you lost your map five days ago, like completely lost. And it's just funny to me because I'm like, well, my, again, my last name is Perduto. I have red hair. One of my ancestors had to get pretty darn Spurduto in order for me to exist. <laughs> hey, Molly, tell everybody where they can reach you. So I have two websites. Mm-hmm. Um, my production company, Ginger Ninja Productions, you can find them at gingerninjacomedy.com. Mm-hmm. voice cracked that was a dot um it wasn't a bobby brady moment <laughs> <laughs> and my um performer website which is a bit under construction but you'll still find a neat little photo of me looking like a phoenix there so it's worth mm-hmm. a shot to visit is molly um but are you are you playing out anywhere soon? You have any gigs uh, for any of your comics that are uh, are going to be out there in the weeks or months to come? Um, so I have a lot of stuff I actually have coming up is um, private events, but I do have Ginger Ninja Productions is doing a show on the thirteenth, which is a Saturday, up in Dover, New Jersey, so up in Morris County. Mm-hmm. It's a fundraiser for the rugby show or the rugby club, rather. And more information is on the Ginger Ninja website. Mm-hmm. And I will personally be performing in Newburgh, New York, on Thursday, the eighteenth. Okay. Yeah, you're heading up very close to the Catskills at that point. It's where it all happened. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, here we go. It is the River Grill on Front Street in Newburgh. Okay. All right. Well, so listen, uh, loads of people in our listening range that are close to that area. So everybody, pack the kids, maybe a lunch, and go see Molly on the 13th. Hey, thanks a lot for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. The American spirit, its ingenuity, desire, pride, and the chance to achieve your dreams. Have you ever given any real thought about where we would be without the American farmer? Have you ever really asked yourself that question at the dinner table while you're eating with your family? Ben Moore had a vision when he started The Ugly Company. After Ben served as an infantryman in the United States Army, he returned to farming and decided to do something about the waste of perfectly good fruit deemed unmarketable due to nothing more than a blemish or its shape. Thousands of truckloads of fruit are thrown out in California every year. The Ugly Company has taken a giant step in addressing food insecurity. The Ugly Company prevents food waste by upcycling fruit and transforming it into healthy, dried fruit snacks. When you order from The Ugly Company, you're getting the best that this Kingsburg, California farming company has to offer. You know, ugly never looks so pretty. 
Go to www.theugly.company to order online for home delivery and learn more about these healthy, delicious products. You're listening to Greater Good Radio with Bob Kosh on WOR 710 AM, the voice of New York. Saying your final goodbyes are never easy. Your memories in the final tribute to a loved one who meant the world to you requires a guiding hand. The staff at Shook Funeral Home, located at 639 Van Houten Ave in Clifton, New Jersey, are available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year to assist you in your time of need, as well as answer any questions you may have regarding at-need or pre-need funeral arrangements. Call Shook at 973-471-9620 or visit their website at shookfh.com. Shook Funeral Home is family owned and operated. They invite you to view and read the letters of appreciation they've received from many families they've served in their testimonials section. Remember, in your time of need, call Shook Funeral Home. Everybody knows if you have been paying attention anywhere that there's stuff that should be on the shelves that is not. Prices are going up, things are happening. And it is due to what they call the supply chain. If you remember, we had Roy Strauss of Strauss Consulting on a few weeks ago. And we were talking about this before it really started to gain that much more attention on mainstream media. So I brought Roy back. He's got a lot of very good information. And he's going to detail for us why this is happening. And if you own a business out there, or, you know, you may be thinking of, hey, I need to keep more money from my business, Roy is somebody that you should listen to, and and I'm very glad he was able to come back. Roy, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Bob. It's a pleasure to be back. You know, with everything going on, you know, we got a great response from your last interview, and supply chain issues are on everybody's mind, so... I would like you to tell us what the nation is facing by the alarming supply chain issue that's going on. Okay, um, so demand variance has been a major problem for every company that sells products forever, okay? Um, Demand goes up all of a sudden. Demand goes down all of a sudden. How do I handle it? What do I do? Right. So now we talk about, in the current situation, demand variance on steroids, Right. Okay. We went from a bustling economy to everything shutting down. And when you try to open back up again, that cannot happen in any sort of rapid fashion. Mm -hmm. Now, things could have been done to make it better. Mm -hmm. But one of the problems is that for the longest time, supply chain has been a stepchild to marketing. Okay. 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 I visit with the company and all I talk about spending money on marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. But what good is it if you can't deliver the right product on, at the right time to the right customer? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I visited uh, a number of years ago, I visited a major division of a major company. Everybody has their stock. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how much stuff they had or what building it was in. Mm. How can you give anything resembling decent customer service? But 
that part of supply chain was in their marketing vertical. Mm -hmm. And the heads of marketing said, oh, we don't spend money on that stuff. We just want to spend money on marketing. Right. Okay. And again, what it's all about is not what you make, but what you keep. Sure. Okay. So if I could tell tell it, yeah. And um, I'm spending all this money to get it out the door to fix problems then that's not your best solution. Sure. Okay. Sure. So now what we're talking about with demand variance, okay? Whole countries shut down all their production, all the factories in China, et cetera, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, I did work uh, for a sugar packer. And just to change the settings on the machine from packing one type of sugar to another took a half hour. I did work for a company that manufactures sprinkler heads. Mm-hmm. Again, even longer to change the same working station to do work for a different sprinkler head. And what we have here is a whole country having to ramp up, or whole countries, all of their manufacturing. Okay. Now, what they could have done and should have done when I shut down, they should have said, we are going to continue at some point in time. We're not closed forever. Mm-hmm. and set stuff up in place so that when they come back, they're ready to go. Okay. But that okay. cost some money, yeah. and they weren't going to spend money on that, so that did not happen. Okay. Okay. So, look, please. So, yeah, one more thing, if I may, Bob. So sure. why are we in the pickle world? Mm-hmm. First of all, not only did the source companies in China, Thailand, whatever, but the American companies, okay? Mm-hmm. What am I doing to make sure that I'm doing the best job I can for my customers, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, we have products that are A, B, and C sellers. Right. We have customers that are A, B, and C customers. Mm-hmm. And I work with my clients, the A customers, you always have what they want. Mm-hmm. The A products, you have to have that for everybody. Sure. So as soon as there's an inkling of a possible problem, they should have purchased up a bunch of stuff, even if they didn't ship it for six months or a year from now, because... Now they have nothing to ship. Right, right. And that's a problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I see that. And it still would have been in the pipeline. I I, I get it. You know? Well, they would have it in their building. Okay. Right. And, and I'm working with my clients on stuff like that all the time to make sure they're always giving the best service to their best customers and every customer. Okay. Super. Hey, can you define the term and its applicability to a business situation for our audience? Well, the supply chain is from the original sourcing or acquiring material, mm-hmm. whether it be raw material for manufacturing or product for resale, through every step of the way to the end user's doorstep. Okay, back in the day, I, I, was, I was in my MBA program and, we, and the professor explained why a $2.90 bottle of scotch left the factory was a $29 bottle of scotch when you went to buy it in New York. Mm. Okay, and every step of the way, it went through all the steps. They added excise taxes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the more steps you have in a supply chain, the more difficult it is going to be to be successful when you're trying to get it back together, of course. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, can you give any advice on what the powers that be, you know, the people who are pressing the buttons for us now, can do to change things in relation to all of this? Um, again, I, I, I may have said it before that supply chain has always been a stepchild to marketing. Mm -hmm. And it comes down from the top in every company. The leaders lead the way. Mm -hmm. And almost every company I visit, the leaders 
paid no attention on learning or knowing anything about supply chain. Either they delegated it to somebody else if they recognize it all. But again, company after company, market, 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 sell, 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 yeah. and everything is supposed to fall into place by itself. <laughs> but of course, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. So what what I do with all my clients and anyone else I'm talking to, you must be prepared. So no matter what happens, you know what to do, mm-hmm. how to do it, when to do it, and what it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. And we create plans like that for our uh, for our clients. So a lot of these companies we work with, for the first time in their lives, no matter what happens, they know what to do, how to do it, when mm-hmm. to do it, and what's going to cost them. Okay. How can you run a company if you don't know that? Your yeah. company after company after company is not even recognizing that it exists. Sure. So the leaders have to become much better educated mm-hmm. on how you keep the money, not just make the money, and then what they should be doing within their companies to be as successful as they possibly can be. And again, it's all it's always about beating the competition and cash flow. Mm-hmm. And that's where we take our clients. Okay. Now you you really said a mouthful there and it kind of is interrelated to my next question. But if there's anything you can add, I mean, how how would this relate to a business trying to maximize opportunity? Okay. So always forget now, it's always data, data, data. Mm-hmm. You must have the proper data to plan, manage, execute, whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. No matter what the situation, whether it's acquiring product, whether measuring growth, whether deciding, hey, this doesn't sell anymore, we should stop selling it and stop wasting money on, mm-hmm. on everything related to it. Right. And company after a company I visit, yeah, some of the really big companies, of course, they, they push a button, you get the data. Mm-hmm. But many of the companies regarding data, they're not sure what to measure. They don't know which data is required if they do know what to measure. Mm-hmm. They're not collecting the data. And I could give you seven more of those uh, cannot get timely access to the data. Mm-hmm. And without data, you know, how, how are you going to get a speeding ticket if you don't have a speedometer on your dashboard? <laughs> you need the data. Exactly. And company after company does not have the data or access to the data. Okay. So now there's other, there's other answers to your questions also. Question also, okay. First of all, because the bottom line is everything with the American companies, and they could buy it the cheapest in China, Thailand, whatever. They, all their resources are committed to buying it there. Mm-hmm. With my clients, I, I always say to them, have a local source for your A movers just in case. Mm-hmm. And they go, yeah, but we're not going to make money and we may lose money, but you're the only one that's going to have the product. Yeah. yeah. So you will have the business. Yeah. Or if you're the only one that has a product, then you may be able to raise some prices, okay? But leaving yourself in a position where you can service your customers properly mm-hmm. is certainly not a good way to run the company. Also, um, it's always important to be in a favored position with your vendors, mm-hmm. okay? Um, I, I've written papers like purchasing from a poor power position, mm-hmm. okay? Because if your company is not a favored company with the vendor, as soon as they start running out of supply, as soon as they run on something, your company will be the company that has nothing to sell again. Sure. Okay. So when I work with my companies, I take them through a whole analysis of anything and everything they should be doing. So they always have the right amount of the right stuff in the right place Mm -hmm. to keep their customers happy, no matter how much they grow, no matter what happens to the economy or anything else. 
You have to be prepared. Okay. So now, lastly, with the climate of the economy, is this the time that a business owner should talk to Strauss Consulting about supply chain issues and optimizing uh, profits? It's even more important than ever. Okay. okay? Because with what's going on here, mm -hmm. a lot of companies may not survive because the container's on the ocean and they can't get the product. Mm -hmm. I yeah. learned about this firsthand. It was 2001. I was doing a project for a company who 90% of the business was the Christmas season. And some of you who have been around may remember that on the West Coast, there was a dock strike in 2001. Mm. And my oh, yeah. client had 100, my client had, a, sounds like now, my client had 100 containers sitting on the ocean between here and China. And had to scramble to get money to stay in business, mm -hmm. almost was surely out of business, okay? Well, again, the containers are out there now. Okay, so what happened now, okay? Not only, did the, not only did they shut the factories down, but here they started laying people off. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't need people to work a manufacturing operation or a warehouse that isn't doing any business, whatever. Sure. Um, but I don't think one company I spoke to talked to me about a plan as to how they were going to ramp up when it changed again mm -hmm. and what were the different scenarios that could change again right. that I would ramp up differently for each scenario. Mm -hmm. And when they work with me, they're prepared for whatever happens. They know, like I said, what happens, they know what to do. Sure. Okay. Sure. Um, and, and again, uh, we're about turning distribution and manufacturing centers into profit centers. Mm -hmm. We're about beating competition about optimizing cash flow. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't have this uh, pandemic, they should have been talking to me all along anyway. Yeah, yeah. Now, and, and it makes complete sense. Roy, tell everybody where they can reach you and get in contact with your firm. Okay. So I am Roy Strauss. My company is called the Strauss Consulting Group. Mm -hmm. uh, you, my phone number is 201-337-7108. If you'd like to email me, Info at scg4u.com. That's S is in Strauss, C is in consulting, G is in group, and the number four or letter U. So info at scg4u.com. And um, my website is www.scg4u.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn by typing Roy Strauss into the uh, inquiry. Great. Roy, thanks so much for being on Greater Good Radio. Bob, thank you so much. I always enjoy talking to you. And the most important thing, if more company owners or leaders of companies um, would be more aware of all the different things they could do so they could be a better company to their customers, not through just marketing and sales, but everything we talked about, Right. every company would be doing better right now. It's great advice, Roy. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. Many survivors of sexual abuse remain silent about their trauma and suffering for years. That pain negatively affects an individual from the shame they've endured as a victim. Opening up is a key component to healing. Jeff Anderson and Associates pioneered the use of civil litigation to seek justice for survivors of child sexual abuse.
Widely recognized as one of the most prolific and successful litigators of child sexual abuse cases against churches and other institutions, Jeff Anderson has handled priest, Boy Scout, school, and athletic organization abuse cases in numerous states throughout the nation. They are smart, tough, and relentless, but it's virtue and compassion that ultimately makes them uniquely qualified to represent those who seek to move forward. Some windows of time for filing claims in certain areas are closing. Contact Jeff Anderson and Associates for real-time updates in these matters. Call 1-800-IT'S-TIME or visit their website at www.andersonadvocates.com. Offices located at 55 West 39th Street, 11th floor, New York, New York, 10018. You're listening to Greater Good Radio with Bob Kosh on WOR 710 AM, the voice of New York. There is no place quite like the central shoreline of Connecticut. Nestled along I-95 between New York City and Boston, it's close enough for a day trip or a weekend getaway. Whether you're seeking adventure, a chance to explore the early history of our country, a fine dining and shopping experience, or some serious relaxation, the shoreline of Connecticut has it all. We invite you to experience our quintessential New England towns and truly escape the hustle and bustle of everyday life. We promise that you will find what you're looking for and more. You just may end up staying permanently. Some of the highlights we offer is beautiful hiking and biking trails, fabulous restaurants, microbreweries and wineries, quaint and elegant lodgings. Visit Real Beauty. Come see us the way nature intended it, the central shoreline of Connecticut. Brought to you by the Shoreline Chamber of Commerce, serving the towns of Guilford, Brantford, and North Brantford. Visit us at 2614 Boston Post Road in Guilford, Connecticut. Call us at 203-488-5500 or visit our website at www.visitshorelinect. I would like to thank our guests today, Mr. Robert Klein, Roy Strauss, and Molly Sperduto. It was great having everybody on, and that's about all the time we have for today. We'll see you next week on Greater Good Radio. Hey, everybody, have a great week. Be safe out there. See you next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.